Greetings and welcome, everybody, to another edition of the... Man, I almost did it again. Psych Monologues. This is not the Psych Monologues, is it? It's the Outpost Podcast. I'm Dr. Ray Mitch, your host. Welcome to Thanksgiving week. I don't know what kind of preparations you and your family are engaged in and what you're doing, but I hope that it will be a uh, fulfilling time spent with family. Sometimes it can be a really stressful time. I think uh, one... Um, one series or short series I think I'm probably going to do is called Home for the Holidays, partly because of the issues that come up when we go home. And uh, whether that's uh, uh, young marrieds or uh, uh, college students or in your 40s and the relationship with mom and dad. And that's an idea that just got percolated in my head right now. You see how this works. So Anyway, uh, the Outpost podcast uh, is a place that that, uh, we're trying to talk about and look at the intersection of faith and psychology and spiritual formation. Um, And what I want to do is to create a space for the the doubters, the wounded, the confused, the beat up and beat down, the bent and bruised who feel like their lives are a disappointment to God to feel accepted enough to be known and also make that make it possible for them to know other people. And so what we seek to be is a place where people can meet the biblical Jesus, not the counterfeit that has been um, displayed by a lot of other Christians. And, and that's unfortunate and that's really all they know. And so, um, so outpost podcast is ultimately an outgrowth or the voice of SGI, Stained Glass International, um, whose mission is to equip, encourage, and empower the next generation um, to live authentically in relationship to themselves, not in a self-absorbed way, but to being true to themselves, even though they may not know what that self is, and, uh, and ultimately with Jesus and with others. And so... What I hope to accomplish um, through the vision and mission of SGI is to develop and create what I call outposts for the heart and communities for the soul. That's exactly what, what how uh, the podcast came by its name. It's nothing quite so um, remarkably creative outside of that uh, outposts oftentimes were on the margins of society. There were places where uh, people would go to find sanctuary. And that's my hope, is that we could create even that space um, in uh, the digital world of the Internet and hopefully eventually create it in the real world uh, in terms of outpost groups that can grow out of this. And um, I think some are percolating. I think some are coming um, of age, if you will, and and the 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 uh, website is actually um, uh, has the capacity <clears throat> for anybody that's interested of putting a group of people together that that want to try to do life um, differently based on some of the things that I talk about in the podcast and maybe some of the things that I recommend in reading and some of the other resources even that are going to start popping up on the on the website, you gotta you gotta be sure to visit it every now and again, sgi-net.org, uh, because under free resources there are a variety of things there, including the video podcast, 
but also uh, presentations I've done and lectures that I've done and things like that that are free resources that groups of people can get together and actually say, let's let's sit down, um, get to set aside time to connect with one another and hear each other's stories, but then maybe jump off of some something that I've taught about or I've, that I've talked about within uh, the, the podcast itself. The other thing, just to remind people of, and I'll get, get beyond these housekeeping things here quickly, is that the outpost is, is the <clears throat> offspring of another podcast that had uh, 160-some, I think I got that number right, 60-some episodes over three years um, called the Psych Monologues. And there are a number of different series there that are well worth your time and effort to go back through, you can you can you can find the link. And now that I'm sitting here talking about this, I don't think there's a link that would take you to the psych monologues. But you can, I'll put it up there so that you're able to to do that um, to, to check and see some of the past episodes because there were a lot of them. Actually, it was about 146. I got my numbers wrong, um, but there were a lot of them that were very topically oriented in terms of what I was hearing. And not only in the people that I meet with in counseling, but also what I hear from students and the things that they're working their way through. So um, it, it gives you an insight into the history that comes to the forefront uh, with the with SGI and with the Outpost podcast. So you can get there. Uh, it will be listed under free resources, like I said the video podcast can be found there and some of my other lectures. Just last week, is that right? Two weeks ago. Um, no, it was last week. Good Lord, it seems like a year ago. Um, I was asked to, to speak in chapel at CCU, and uh, you can find it uh, under those free resources at, at um, sgi-net.org. Be sure to sign up for our community. You'll get hit up with a pop-up the minute you hit our website. But sign up because there will be things coming in 24 that will keep you abreast of what's going on in the community, uh, in the outpost, if you will. And so uh, it's the place to go. There are uh, resources uh, and content that I call Journey Intel that allows you to uh, prepare for the journey that you have ahead of you and some of the issues that you need to be aware of along the way. So so there's, there's that and um, some various resources that are available to you through the SGI mission and through uh, the, the uh, website as well. The other part of this <clears throat> that SGI is doing is that we, we ha will have in the spring uh, one, two, three different um, uh, retreats, silent retreats for young people. Um, the first one has already been filled for CCU students. Uh, the second one and the third one is are both sponsored by and led by people of SGI, and um, it's it is part of our um, again. Stay tuned because it's going to be part of our fundraising efforts uh, to raise the kind of money that makes it possible for, for people to come who want to come, and maybe they don't have the income to do that, and so. 
we need everybody on board and willing to help us to spread the word of what we're trying to do here, which is not a real, uh, pardon the phrase, sexy mission. I, I think people get uh, beyond their generation and they never look back and they don't think about the people coming behind them and what they may face. And that's really what this one is about is, um, I, you know, I, I have a hard enough time with my own generation and that's late. I'm a late boomer, but I, you know, I have a hard enough time with them, <laughs> but my heart, um, is, is directed to this generation that is, that is in the, uh, the late teens, early twenties and what they're facing and the things that they face culturally and the things that they face, face in terms of just living out their faith and, and dealing with their own psychology, if you will, which I think is really important part of understanding about our faith. You can't really divorce the, the two. And in times gone by, nobody tried to. Uh, they didn't think of it like we do as far as psychology is concerned. But but it, it's there. It's always there. It's always running in the background. And so uh, we've, got, we've got these re- silent retreats that are coming up that we need all the help we can get. Um, another kind of point on the radar, and I, I'm going to be making it uh, known to the people that are part of our community, is that something here in Colorado they call they call Giving Tuesday, and so it's a it's a opportunity after Black Monday. Uh, let's see, what do they call that? We've got Black Friday and Cyber Monday, and then we have Giving Tuesday, and that's. That's uh, just a time for people to reflect and and to to seek to support the things that um, are that are supporting that are reaching into a variety of generations to help people and resource them in their spiritual walk and journey. Uh, maybe even just their introduction. It can be that too. This is our effort here is not to jam the gospel down anybody's throat. Our effort here is to live fully as Jesus would in this generation, in this culture, and and then let let uh, God work out the rest between that person and and God, and that that may mean that they still walk away, and but at least that they they have had something of a taste of accuracy about the biblical Jesus and what his his what he said that is entirely relevant to where we're at today. So um, that's the the overall um, scope of what we're doing, developing these outposts for the heart and the, and the, um, uh, the, the silent retreats. And then also just the, the resources that we want to make increasingly available to people as they, they come to our website and, and enjoy the things that are going on there. All right, now let's get all that, all that uh, housekeeping crap out of the way. Um, what I want to talk about is is um, is not. I, I will forewarn you ahead of time that this may not be terribly comfortable. In spite of the fact that um, my title for this particular one was c- called "Comfortably Enslaved," and I this is far from comfortable. At the same time, it's not so uncomfortable that people are unwilling or are willing to change. And that's what I want to explore um, tonight is that 
I, I really am not so sure that we really want freedom. Really. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not convinced. I, I see it in myself. I see it in all the people that I'm talking to. And they're more than happy to curate the knowledge about freedom, <laughs> the knowledge of free people. But when it comes right down to making the kinds of choices, lifestyle choices, relationship choices, things like that, they're unwilling or don't know how to do it. And those are two very different things. Now, ultimately, I have to get through the willingness in order to choose. But then we got to explore, if we're going to talk about willingness, then we got to explore what is, what are the obstacles that I face? And some of the ones that I think are worth paying attention to is we have we have grown to be committed i'd i'd say even addicted to comfort and happiness to the point where we will not take risks we are not only in a conflict averse society we are in a risk averse society and that's exactly one of the greatest obstacles to achieving living freely is risk. We don't want risk. We want guarantees. We want certainty. We want to know that what choices we make will always turn out good and right. But that's, that's not reality. And that's not where we're living, quite honestly. So... If freedom means risk, and I am risk-averse, I'm risk-avoidant, what does that mean? That usually means that I'm going to remain enslaved to whatever it is, whether it's an addiction, whether it's a relationship, whatever it is, I, I am going to be enslaved to it. Now, you ask anybody who's enslaved, is it comfortable? And they'll say, no. And and the next question beyond that is, then what prevents you from doing something different? And usually it's risk, but the risk of what, right? It's, it's the risk of losing the relationship, the risk of finding out that when you're not in a relationship, you're not sure who you are, the risk of, of regretting the decision. More often than not, we will regret most decisions. That always happens. Have you ever heard of buyer's remorse? Um, so the, the risk is always there. And, and what goes along with risk, which is even, almost as big of an obstacle, is the loss of control. Now, it, let's be clear. It is the illusion of control we're talking about here. It is not control. I think everybody, if I were to stand outside any church today or any school and say, hey, do you have control? over your life or the people in it, nine times out of 10, to the first one in my life, mostly, but the, with people in your life, no, I'm, I don't have control of them. And yet, I act as if I do. And see, that's what, so what is that then? It's a happy delusion. It's, it's just an illusion that we're comfortable with. Again, enslave meant it comes with a loss of control and and or i should say freedom comes with a loss of control enslavement guarantees 
control and set parameters and things don't change and certainty and all the other things. And that's what I mean by being comfortably enslaved. You know, there's a story told uh, during the Civil War and when Sherman was making his march to Atlanta, burning everything in his path, and that uh, federal soldiers, Union soldiers, would walk onto uh, plantations where the plantation owner would basically flee and leave all the slaves there on the plantation. And 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 I don't and I don't know if this is just mythology or if this is really true i i think there's probably some truth to it is that they would go onto the plantation and they would inform the slaves that they were free that president lincoln had signed a thing called the emancipation proclamation and that they were free and they could go to the north where they would be free men or they are free at where they stand and so many of them, I don't know how many, but a lot of them stayed where they were because it was predictable, it was consistent, they didn't have to think very much. I'm not throwing anybody under the bus when I say that. But it, 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 it was safe. Safe, for lack of a better way to put it. And so it... Freedom comes with an inherent risk. Freedom also comes with an inherent loss of control. And maybe I shouldn't put it that way. It's maybe not loss of control. What it really is, is a reminder of how little control we have. And we really, we honestly don't like that. I think the major engine of anxiety is all about control. It's all about control. And so oftentimes, so many people that I've talked to over the years struggling with anxiety, you know, the the one, two-word question that is the most damaging to them is, what if? What if? And they will pile question on top of question on top of question, never answering it. So, What's the answer to what if? Well, one is, okay, well, then it's not what if, it's what when, right? And I, let me make a plan for when that happens. But we've got a really heavy dose of superstitious thinking in us that if I, if I plan for something, I will make it happen. And I don't want that to happen. I'd rather keep asking my what if questions, right? And so we, we get comfortable with the enslavement just like the slaves did. And so there are a number of obstacles here that are important to take into account. It is not, a, 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 it is not an, necessarily an explanation. It is not an excuse either. It's just a reality. Now there's another one. There's another one. This one's really good. Because I've tinted at it just in what I was talking about just a minute ago. And that is, <laughs> I have responsibility for my choices. See, see, uh, under the circumstances of enslavement, I, I don't have choice. I don't, I don't have responsibility for those choices, really, because they're all predetermined. 
And so if I can be convinced that it doesn't matter what I choose, it will always turn out the same way, whether I choose for freedom, whether I choose for control, it'll all turn out the same way. Why bother? And there are lots of people that say that about life itself, is that if it's going to turn out the same way, why bother? But we forget about the journey. We forget about the process of living. We forget about all the relationships that are really embedded in all of that. Because we've got an axe to grind with somebody, usually God. And so freedom brings with it a responsibility for choices. Choices are not bad in and of themselves. It's just when they go south that we don't like them. And we make less of those. We're still making a choice when we're enslaved. But we make less of those because somebody else is making it for us. And in a lot of ways, that's the driver in codependent relationships because I don't have to make a choice. I just I just seek to be, um, uh, how do I say, I seek to manage somebody else's emotions and when their emotions are good, mine are. <clears throat> and so if they're happy, I'm happy. And there's no boundaries between us. And essentially, who's making the choice? The person I'm codependent with. And so... One of the obstacles to accepting the freedom we say we want is taking the full weight of responsibility for the choices we make. Part of the problem with that is, and that's this is the other one that comes in with this, is the possibility of making a quote-unquote wrong choice. And The, the there's a there are a number of problems with that. Partly the biggest one is this: is that not all choices are moral. Not all choices are moral. I mean, if I if I like you know chocolate ice cream versus vanilla ice cream, which is a ridiculous example, but it it's not a moral choice. Now the 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 diehards out there would say you better. Darn tootin' it's a right choice or a wrong choice. But see, I think we muddy the waters a good bit. And actually, it's driven along by shame because I want to make it a moral question and then I make the right answer or I make make the right choice or I make the wrong choice. Now, there's something to be said for the words that we use to frame our world. I've talked about this in other podcasts, but never underestimate. Now, and I've got two thoughts colliding here. Um, Never underestimate the words we use to frame our reality because how I frame it is also going to be how I talk it and how I see it. And the the reason that I, I stuttered there a second was that I don't make the mistake of thinking, well, if I just change the words, then it'll all be better, right? No, I, I don't. There's thinking behind the words we choose. So if your language is riddled with I should have or I could have or I would have, and, and if I didn't because I didn't, I'm a terrible person, and I can't do anything right, and et cetera, et cetera, that's the, the thought engine behind it, and then the words betray it. And that's, 
that's the risk of freedom is not a right or wrong choice, but a choice that we look at and realize that we may not have had enough information. We couldn't have had enough information. I, I, there are lots of people I've talked to over the years that are procrastinators in making a choice because they just don't have enough information. And when I press on that and say, when will you ever have enough information? I, immaterial. It is entirely irrelevant because we won't ever have enough information. It's almost as if I have somebody waiting for whatever choice I make and something goes awry. I didn't say wrong, but goes awry. Then that that critic is waiting to jump and say, see, I told you. See, I told you, you should have had some more information. Listen to that statement. You should have had some more. What's the driver? Shame. If you hear the word should, you should think shame. Now, I'm not talking about moral shoulds, so don't get all twisted up inside about that. There are moral shoulds, clearly. You know, you shouldn't lie. Got it. But... We've got thousands and thousands of shoulds that have nothing to do with morality and everything to do with control and everything to do with maintaining an image of ourselves that is stable, albeit maybe dysfunctional, and, 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 and it won't change. It won't change. And that's why we choose comfortable enslavement. Because it's safe. So add to the cultural milieu that we're in, which is the French word for environment. When you look at the cultural milieu we're in, we're not only risk avoidant, but we are safe, safety driven. Everything is stated in terms of safety. And I, the last I checked, <clears throat> There's nothing about our reality that will ever be safe. So instead of accepting that, which is a fear, so instead of accepting that, I build a world of safety, of no risk, of control, of um, choices all going the right way, all of that, that I can build in the world that I want to create. And so enslavement, as awful as it sounds, I mean, nobody likes to be told that they're enslaved, but enslavement is safe. It allows us to feel in control. It, if anything, it strengthens our, our commitment to managing people's perceptions of us, which would go right into some of the stuff that I talk about with the stained glass self. And it maintains our shame, so the very thing that people, when I talk about shame and grace and all the things that I talk about, and I talked about that in that chapel talk, they say, this is awful. I don't want to live this way. Great. That's wonderful. But let's be real clear what the risks are. No pun intended, of course. But what the risks are. Because the risk of living free is the sense of out of control. Now, it calls us to something else. 
Because if life is only about control, you can bet, you can bet your bottom dollar, which is what they said when I was a kid, you can bet your last dollar (laughs) that if it's all about control, then trust and connection and intimacy is nowhere to be found. Nowhere. Because the maxim I say all the time is trust and control cannot coexist. Trust and risk always coexist. Always. They have to. And that's exactly it. If I am going to throw off the chains of, of, be, of control, of being comfortable, if I throw those off, then what do I have left? And what I have left is either just outright terror or I seek to lock arms with other people and begin to build a trusting community of people who are trying to do this journey differently than they've done in the past. They're tired of the rat race of being enslaved. So many people are. But it to them, and, and it's not as simple as jumping off the, the, the Ferris wheel. It's just not as simple as that because of what they leave behind. And it may be people they leave behind. But our enslavement is the very means by which shame keeps its hooks in us. And in a previous episode, I don't know what number it was in in the psych monologues, I talked about the matrix of shame. If you've ever seen the movie The Matrix, and think of that matrix as this matrix of shame that we live in that that drives all of our behaviors to be in control to always be safe to reduce all risk to tru- trust no one <laughs> do you want the red pill or do you want the blue pill and so what we gain i you know i i could spend the next half an hour telling you all the things that you gain as a result of freedom. But that is speaking to a part of you, or even if I want to talk about it from a brain physiology, the executive part of you that isn't in control, that isn't driving the boat, because it's emotions that are driving the boat. And fear and anxiety and all of those things that are driving it. But just for the sake of completeness to a podcast let me let me just let me let me just give you a few okay because we're going to have to brace ourselves for the power of freedom enslavement doesn't require power because we borrow it from whoever we're enslaved to or whatever we're enslaved to it gives us the power and if it withdraws its power then we're we're out of luck. But we have to brace ourselves for the power of freedom and living freely. These, if, When you meet somebody who lives freely, they are the most dangerous person you'll ever meet. And they make you nervous and fearful because they're going to step on somebody's toes or they're going to do this, that, or the other thing that will alienate somebody or somebody will get hurt or... Yeah, there's that. But with freedom, there's trust. And 
usually we don't exercise our freedom without trusting some other people. And, and the other thing about it, interestingly enough, is that if I'm going to live freely and I'm going to invite other people to live freely with me, it's about reality. Because when I try to shed all of these chains that have enslaved me, whether it's shame or whether it's that the, the world functions by punishment and production or any of the things that I've just spent my time talking about, uh, when I shed those things, the one thing I can absolutely irrevocably count on is that I am dealing with reality as it is, not as I would have it. And the interesting thing about it, if you've ever done this and and uh, if I think about it, I'm, I may I may put it up on the on the um, uh, website so you can see it. Is the entire length of the Serenity Prayer because most of the time the only thing we talk about are the first four lines, and there's there's a line in in the entire Serenity Prayer that says, "Taking this world as it is, not as I would make it to be." And that being just like Jesus. And when you think about it, considering where Jesus came from, because he was part of the Trinity, he came from absolute bliss and perfection. And he comes into a world like ours, which would be a little bit like us going into a pigsty and setting up shop there. And I'm not downgrading humans or anything like that, but it would be that same kind of leap but it's real. It's real. And the people I talk to who are striving to be free are real. I, I'm not in here interacting with an appearance or a stained glass or anything else that is an attempt to manage how I think about them. They've given me the freedom, not that they can give it to me, but they've given me the freedom to engage and encounter them as they are. And that's frightening. That is deadly frightening. I don't know anybody, myself included, that would that has done that or will do that easily. Not easily. I, it's been done, and I I practice it every day. But it's it's about realizing that what is known is what exists, what is there, and. This does, you know, I sit here and th listen to myself, and it's like this stuff isn't all that profound. I mean, I, I, but yet in the world that we're living in, it's like this is a pipe dream. You can't, you can't live free no more than the people that were in the matrix and didn't even know that they were human batteries. That was the storyline, knew it. The other thing about this in terms of living freely is it means compromise with reality. And and that means the reality of people, you know, that maybe that they're never going to be because you want to predict the future in other ways. But can I accept that they are who they are right now? I don't know what the future is. And I need to adapt my behavior and my boundaries and how I handle myself 
with who they are right now. And the one thing that I hear consistently is about parents who are not the parents that the person needed them to be and continue to not be the parents they need them to be. And so they have to figure out how to set appropriate boundaries, not defensive boundaries, boundaries that are meant to, that are pointed at somebody else are not boundaries at all. They are not. They are not an offensive weapon. They are meant to take full responsibility for the contours of my heart that I am the one that, that is called to guard, to guard it. And so I have to compromise, and in that compromise, there's loss. I, I'm losing something by accepting the key people in my life are not who I keep wanting them to be. See, there's a lot of times where I think we stay in relationships to people in order to get them to become what I want them to be. And that's more slave um, slave behavior. It's about trying to control somebody. And we're sure, and I'll say it again because I've said it so many times, we're sure that if I accept the fact that that person is is not Right now, I don't know what they will be in the future. And and oftentimes, I can create a future that ties me into this relationship that I cannot know. But I can know the reality that is standing right in front of me. And I can make some choices about how I'm going to handle my boundaries and how am I going to handle my own emotions and what kind of forgiveness I need to engage in and how can I release this person from my expectation that they change. And so living in reality is not as easy as it sounds because I think we vastly underestimate how much we do to distort reality to make it palatable. And now we live in a world that is riddled with what's called postmodern thought, and you can create your own reality. And yet I think in our souls we know there is a reality that stands apart from what I can create at some level. Why would we be rebelling against it? And so it means accepting the world as it is rather than how we would make it to be or would have it to be. And we're sure that if I accept it, then it will never change. And I will, I will say instead, if I choose not to accept it, it will never change. And you can count on that. And then finally, the, one of the biggest ones about living freely is trusting that God loves me as I am, not as I should be because I'm never, ever, ever going to be what I should be. God loves me as I am. God loves you as you are, not as you should be. But if you're going to align, the, and, and I'm, maybe I shouldn't say but, I'll put a period at the end of that. As we align our hearts in line with God's, something probably will change. I mean, that's what happens when we're in relationship with someone. And but that's not the that's not the deal. I can't change. I cannot change what I will not accept. And that also means accepting God 
as he is too. And that seems almost sacrilegious or heretical. But my trust is built on the reality of who God is, not built on the God that I create. Because that's not really a God at all. It's just a small G God. As G.K. Chesterton, well, actually, Blaise Pascal said, God made man in his own image, and man returned the favor. And here we sit in the in the harvest of that way of thinking. So next week, I will do a bigger expose. Sounds so important. Um, a, a bigger explanation or exploration would be a better way to put it, of, of the whole thing about freedom. Because it, it has a lot to do with what we do with truth and what we do with control, trust, and freedom. What we do with handling boundaries and how we, how we understand that. How do we handle forgiveness? Well, there are so many distortions around forgiveness, both Christian and non-Christian, about that. And then, how do I handle conflict? Because if I'm going to avoid conflict, I'm going to avoid intimacy. And that's just a whole other thing. And then, ultimately, intimacy. So, we'll we'll look at that in more depth as kind of a, a paired uh, bookends between these two things. Um, I, I will give you a sneak peek of uh, what is coming uh, and is on the horizon. I, I can see it now, uh, but I just finished uh, and completed my book uh, that is entitled The Seasons of Grief, and it will be coming out. Um, and we're trying to figure out a publication date of when that will be. Um, but, uh, I am reserved in my excitement of it because it has been a three year process of putting this thing together and all of it has finally come together. And I thought this day would never come and, um, we'll see, we'll see. It's, uh, uh I just interacted with, um, my publisher today and, uh, it, it's encouraging. I will say that. Um, but now you got the the bigger step of, you know, what what's the interest going to be and all that kind of jazz. Um, if you're part of the community and if you hit sgi-net.org, become part of the community, you will get uh, the first shot at at being being um, uh, uh, what I want to say. Get the news of when pre-orders can can occur. Um, and we will do that from the website. Uh, we, we will be establishing a store so that I can sell my other book there, Grieving the Loss of Someone You Love, uh, and hopefully some other resources that you can purchase, and it, it would all go into the pot of fundraising for supporting the mission and vision of uh, SGI. So, that's it for tonight. If you have any questions at all, please don't hesitate to DM me on Instagram at SGI underscore international. Um, and like I said, you can subscribe uh, by hitting the website at SGI-net.org. Um, and it is also helpful in terms of trying to get the word out about the podcast that if you subscribe uh, on the podcast on your uh, whatever you use to listen to podcasts, whether it's Spotify or Amazon Music or iTunes or whatever, um, 
subscribe and follow us there. That means a lot, and it gives um, a greater and greater exposure to what we're trying to accomplish here. The other thing I'll mention to you, it's a paid resource. Again, all of that goes into helping and supporting SGI. Uh, but it's a digital devotional that you will get every week uh, about setting new boundaries, about healthy relationships. Um, and once you sign up uh, and decide at what level you want to uh, get it, you can go monthly, you can go semi-annually, so every six months, um, or you can go whole, a whole year all in. And you will get them uh, all year round uh, as a means, which means that really the the, the um, rotation that the devotional itself was written as a 365-day devotional. So if you sign up for a year once a week, um, that's 50, and that would be about four years <laughs> worth of material. Um, and you may not be online for that, and you can cancel at any time. But that is that is available to you. There, it's under paid resources, so you'll see a drop down of resources and then outpost media, which is where all the video media is, um, and uh, and then paid and free resources, and you'll find it under paid resources as setting new boundaries, um, and you can sign up there as well. Follow us on all the social media outlets we're on, uh, and Instagram at SGI underscore international. Facebook, Ray.Mitch, M-I-T-S-C-H, and LinkedIn, D-R-Mitch. Uh, and we are available on any uh, platform that you listen to any of your podcasts. If you know of anyone that would like to partner with us to continue to grow uh, the scholarship fund and the fund to run uh, a website like ours and all the things that go into it, um, they can give a gift the end of the year is coming up, so you can get a tax-deductible gift from us, um, and that runs everything. It runs the SGI retreats. It run, runs the podcast. It, it runs the development of resources. It does all of that, um, and you can do that. Just hit the Donate button at the top of the menu, on the menu bar at the top, and it'll drop down and, and take you to our Donate page, and you can you can uh, donate as, as much or as little as you want or on a monthly basis. Sustaining members are always helpful. Um, you can um, uh, get access to more and more of the, the community resources by uh, a membership that way. Um, and so there, there are a variety of ways to, to engage the community at whatever level you're comfortable or interested in. If you'd rather send a physical check, you certainly can do so. You can you can make the check out to SGI, uh, and the address is P.O. Box 322, East Lake, Colorado, 80614. Uh, again, that is P.O. Box 322, East Lake, Colorado, 80614. Um, that's it for tonight. Thanks for listening in. I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving, and we'll talk to you on the other side. Um, and until then, love you. Later. Bye.